welcome to another segment of PPO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Hey, you can catch us on all of our social media platforms on our website at PPOPodcast.com. Please click on our YouTube link, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We got some plans for some YouTube videos to be coming out soon within the weeks, maybe a month or so, but you will be alerted when they start happening. Right now, what I do is I put up my TikTok videos up on the website, and from those TikTok videos, you can see what's going on. And you don't have to have the Chinese spying on you. But of course, TikTok now being uh, going to be an American company ran by Oracle and Walmart. Hey, now it'll just be the Americans spying on you. Well, they've been doing that anyway. But, you know, hey, that's the thing about all this social media. It, whatever you're on, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, it doesn't matter. You're being spied on. It's just the nature of today's beast. How do you prevent it? Well, go dark. Go off the grid. How do you go off the grid? That's tough. How do you stop? letting everyone see what you're doing well there are measures you can take but why i mean what's the purpose of it all we are in an electronic age and i mean here's the thing is joe biden who is at this point in time come on joe biden's faculties aren't there we all know that joe biden's cheese has slid off his cracker it's sitting on the floor and the cheese is starting to harden the crackers getting stale i mean this man cognitively is so out to lunch it's not even funny. I mean, it's sad. I mean, he made a comment, I think it was last week, that, you know, regarding the fires in California, that NASA satellites, the fires are so bright that NASA satellites can see him from space. Dude, dude, I just got a new car. My wife just got a new car. Very nice car, by the way. And it's got that parking assist. And when you put the car in reverse to park, the satellite shows you the car. I mean, literally, you could see somebody walk up to the car via the satellite. So, Joe, that satellites could see every movement that we do. I mean, if there's a bug on the ground, a satellite can see it. So, for you saying that NASA satellites can, the fires are so bright, NASA satellites can see it, they can see you if you flick a match. We are in an age where every movement can be tracked. I mean, literally. I, I literally put the car in reverse and a little picture on the screen comes up of the car. And let's say you're waiting for somebody to show up and they walk up to the car. You actually see them walk up to the car. Out of touch, Joe. So if you're worried about being spied on, might I suggest a log cabin with lots and lots of tinfoil? Because that's the only way. And by the way, they can even watch you there too. So uh, how do you offset all of this? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess you just don't do anything stupid. And you live your life like you should live your life. And not worry about it. And maybe stay out of the espionage business so they don't have to spy on you. Uh, probably a good idea not to be in the drug trafficking or human trafficking business as well. Because then they won't have to spy on you. Other than that... They're watching you park your car. So uh, it's just something that we have to deal with nowadays. And eh, good, bad, or indifferent. Hey, I have an old car, by the way. I have an old, a 1979 450 SL Mercedes. It does have a computer in it, but the computers are so ancient that they're not tied into anything else. So, hey, that car, <laughs> I'm off the grid, baby. All right, let's get into some just stuff on the news and let's just kind of rip on some headlines for this segment. Joe Biden, since we brought up him and his 
inane satellite comment. I mean, think about this. The man is living in a different era. I mean, 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, maybe longer, maybe it's 40 years ago. If you would have said something like that, people went, oh, they can see the forest fire from space. Well, come on. Everyone knows that children know this, that satellites can see it. So Joe was given another speech the other day. And in this speech, and I'm not going to play his speech. I'm just, I'm done playing his speeches. Joe Biden said, it's estimated that 200 million people will die probably by the time I finish this talk. Okay. Let's unpack that. Joe Biden, and you should have seen the speech. He's got the fire in the belly because that's, you know, it's practice. And I'm going to say it again. It's, this is what he said. It's estimated that 200 million people will die probably by the time I finish this talk. And he was reading a script. Now, when, when I say reading a script, Joe Biden's got his notes. He's got notes in front of him, but he's reading a monitor. It's not even so much a teleprompter anymore. You know, the teleprompter, yeah, you got the monitor as a teleprompter. Then you got those two side screens and the script shows up on those. So the politician or the speaker can look left to right. It looks like he's talking to an audience. But in this case, Joe just reads straight up. He just looks at this monitor. It's like a 60 inch monitor, maybe bigger. Actually, I've seen one clip where they show the monitor and it's a pretty large monitor. So he's reading this large monitor and he can't even get it right. You know they didn't put 200 million on that screen. And if they did, oh my gosh, right? What they put on that screen was 200,000 because that's the number that he was going for. But he misread it. He misread it as 200 million. I mean, what does that tell you? It tells you that Joe doesn't have command of what's going on around him. It tells you that Joe is not thinking for himself. It tells you that Joe is being fed information. He's not, he's not the one who's feeding you information. He's being fed information. This is your presidential candidate. So if Joe Biden is elected president, God forbid, uh, you will not have Joe Biden leading the nation. You will have whatever it is committee around him leading the nation. Americans don't take to that very well. Americans don't take to somebody being told what to say or do very well. Now, I know there's some old time leftists out there, maybe some young ones that think they know history is going to say Reagan, Reagan, Reagan. Yeah, you know, in Reagan's second term, um, cognitively, he did decline. There's no doubt about that. You can see it. I remember watching a clip one time where they were asking him something and Nancy Reagan had to complete his sentence for him. And I remember seeing that right there going, well, and I, at this time, I wouldn't say it was a leftist, but I was definitely leans, leaned more to the left because I was young and stupid. And I remember watching that going, ah, I see that uh, the man doesn't have his faculties, blah, blah, blah. And you're seeing some equate that with what's going on with Biden. Well, here's what's different. Reagan was already elected to a second term. Biden hadn't been elected. Why would you elect Biden when you already know that that's, that's where he's at? The man will not be the leader of the free world if he is elected. If he's elected, the people around him will be the leader of the free world. I'm not even sure Kamala Harris will be the leader of the free world. I don't think Harris has that big of a voice in the Biden camp as a lot of people want to think. I think it's those the the henchmen running around, the people in the background are the ones that are making all the decisions, and I, they are the radicals. 
So if you elect Joe Biden, if we as a country elect Joe Biden, we just elected his group of radicals that are running his campaign as the ones who will be running the nation. And it won't be pretty because here's why. You need a leader. Every organization needs a leader. Now, I talk a lot about culture, not so much on this podcast. I do sometimes, but in, in my professional world, I talk a lot about culture. You know, when I, t- when I coach somebody about going to a new company, if they're looking for a job, one of the things that I'll often talk about is what's the culture like? You've got to look at if it's a right culture that fits you. Because if you go to a position in a company where it's got a horrible culture that's against you, it's a culture that's totally foreign to you, a culture you don't like, whatever that culture is, by the way, if you don't fit that culture, you're going to struggle in that job. And I've often said, like I've coached a lot of people that are in a position, a a company they have right now, and something happens and they're not happy and they want to leave that company, go to another company. And if you, one of the things you want to make sure you don't do is go out of the frying pan into the fire. So if you're not happy with the culture you're in, you want to do a lot of due diligence to find out if a company you're interested in, what's their culture, if it matches your culture and your beliefs. Well, if you want a culture of a group of leftists running your country, then Joe Biden's your guy. But the, every company's culture is driven from the top down. The leader of the company drives that culture down. Now, you may have pockets, like you may have regions where the regional manager who runs a certain region of the United States is maybe a piss poor leader and they have bad culture. That goes trickles down to the people in that region. Or you may have a company that has piss poor, poor culture, but that regional manager who runs that region of the United States is offsetting that and has great culture and the people under them were more likely to stay because of the culture. It's all about culture. So the leader of organizations are the ones who direct that culture, that create the culture. It's a top-down thing. It just is the nature of humans. And if we elect Joe Biden as our president, well, what's our culture going to be? Because he's not going to be the leader. You just know he's not going to be the leader. It's going to be whatever caggle of hardcore leftists that he has around him managing his campaign is going to be there. And then if it is Kamala Harris, Kamala, Kamala, whatever the hell, I don't care. If it is her, well, she's as far left as they get. She was voted as one of the, far, the most leftist senators in the Senate, more left than Bernie Sanders. That would be the culture we're going to get. So you're not going to get to Joe Biden if he wins because he's he's out to lunch. I mean, he won't even survive a first term. But I digress. I don't believe he's going to win. I believe that um, I believe Biden's going to lose. And I think right now the, the question is, by how much? Is it going to be a landslide for Trump? Or will the Democrats pull enough strings to prevent a landslide so they can still mess with his mandate or mess with him during his second term and give him a hard time during a second term like they did with his first term? So that is what this fight is for. But moving on, let's talk about BLM is in the news again. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, Black Lives Matters, you know, you know, some is joke, black looting matters, blah, 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 however you want to put it. But we had a Black Lives Matter supporter randomly shoots three people in the head at point blank range in cold blood at a bar recently. So now the question is, how do you know he's a Black Lives Matter supporter? Well, he had on a t-shirt that said justice for Breonna Taylor. You know, that's one of the big Black Lives Matters mantras right now. 
Well, it doesn't really necessarily mean he's a BLM activist or even in their upper echelons, but obviously he was a Black Lives Matter supporter. And this guy, Michael Rines, he's 33, he walks into Bungalow Jars Bar and Grill Friday and literally point blank shot three people in the head. And they've all died. Now, clearly this man was mentally ill. Clearly. But let's talk about this. The BLM movement. What is it? Now, we, I've talked a lot about it, and uh, it, it's, it's, has it helped the black community? And I don't see where it has. In fact, the, the BLM movement, a lot of people will tell you it's leadership less. You know, uh, there's leadership here. They're not very good. So that's why people are saying there's no leadership. No, there is leadership. There is what the BLM movement is set up is it's set up as like chapters. So the three Marxists, yes, they are Marxists. They're admitted Marxists. They are communists who set it up, set it up to where they created chapters throughout the country as well as UK and Canada. So they call themselves international now. And the, allegedly they've given money to these chapters. We don't know how much. We have no idea where the hundreds of millions of dollars that BLM has taken in has gone. We just don't know. What we do know, <coughs> excuse me, is that the rhetoric is so high that the violence has increased. So back in, what was it, 2013 I believe whenever the Trayvon Martin happened, thing happened, this is where BLM came from. And it took them a number of years to realize that they had a movement and an organization that they could actually make money on because, yes, they're making money on this. And so you didn't really see it really come into fruition about 2015. And now all of a sudden, every election year, they rise up. Isn't that funny? Every election year. You could do, uh, there's something you can do on Google where you can do a news search of when activity happens. And if you do this for BLM, the activity for BLM rises around election year politics. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address Make sure that you vote and vote informed. Isn't that funny? Why is it only around election year that this happens? Now, I get it. You know, it means you're you're voting for people and you want to vote for people that helps their movement. But I don't think that's what it is. I think BLM now is an active arm of the Democrat Party, such as the KKK was an active arm of the Democrat Party to instill derision and to create havoc and to create fear. That's what the BLM movement is. And what happens when you have movements like this come along is the rhetoric gets so heated that there are people within it that buy into it and they are violent people and they take things to the extreme. So the BLM movement has blood on its hands with this guy going into a bar and killing three people. The BLM movement has blood on its hands with them going to cities around the nation with the riots and the looting and the violence, 
more people have died from the activities of the BLM movement than what they are actually protesting against. I mean, George Floyd was a bad man, and they've codified him now. I mean, his family has raised millions of dollars. Now they've gone away because they've got their money. They got paid. But George Floyd was a horrible human being. He was a disgusting man. He held a gun to a pregnant lady's belly. He was a, a, a drug addict. I mean, he was so full of drugs when he died. The coroner saying that's the reason he passed is because not because of the knee on his neck is because the knee on his neck put stress on his body, which you could say maybe the knee on the neck attributed to it. But the man had so much drugs in his system that his system failed through the stress of what was going on. But he put himself in that position. You got the Rayshard Brooks case in Atlanta, which no one talks about anymore because it found out that Rayshard Brooks was also a bad guy. And then you've got the Jacob Taylor thing, which is still making the rounds of people trying to codify Jacob Taylor. The only thing is he's still alive. So this is going to come out. The man was a rapist. He raped a 14 year old girl. He was there that day when he was shot because the people that he was coming he there was a restraining order against him he stole his ex-girlfriend's keys whatever that whatever it was and the they are the ones that called the police on him the media and several people now in the blm movement are trying to tell you that he was there to break up a fight no he was the fight he was the issue but the blm movement somehow has captured a nation not a whole nation, but then you got all these useful white kids, useful idiot white kids from the suburb walking around with their fist up as if somehow in solidarity to black people. And that's probably the, I mean, it's just not helping the black community. It's hurting the black community. It's making people more fearful of the black community. You, I mean, you've got several of uh, uh, scenarios where they're going up to the people having a dinner or lunch at a cafe outside and they're basically disrupting their meal and pushing things over. In one case, you saw a lady just pick up the drink of a, per a patron and just drink it and walk off. And I, how do you think this helps? So again, it goes back to what I was saying in the first segment of today's podcast is the left is doing whatever it can to sow the seeds of derision in our nation because they don't want Trump to get a landslide. If you don't think all of this is by design, then you're not paying attention. The left, the left in this country want violence. They want division. They don't want this country to come together because if this country comes together, then the right wins because the right are not the ones that are propagating protest and violence. I mean, let's look at Antifa. I mean, I had several debates with people uh, that agree with Antifa in the last week or so, and uh, they keep going on at their peaceful protests. I mean, I mean, do, uh, how do you say that? Look at the news. And then Tifa are anti-fascist. Because they have anti-fascists in their name, somehow they're good. And the anti-fascists are they're against fascists, they're against white supremacy, they're against racism. Well, so are most of the people in America. So you can't align most people in America with Antifa because they don't like white supremacy. I don't like white supremacy. Uh, they don't like fascism. I don't like fascism. 
Um, so, I mean, they don't like racism. I don't like racism. I abhor all those things, but I don't like communism as well. And if you go back to where Antifa originally came from, they were a movement that came out of uh, the four, 30s and 40s as anti-fascist from the communists. It was the communists who started Antifa because they don't like fascists. They didn't like the fascists. They weren't totalitarian enough. The fascists hated the communists and the communists hated the fascists. When I say this stuff, like I say this on TikTok, oh my gosh, people go apoplectic. I like that word. I know, I know. And they go on and on about that can't be, that's not right. That's not right. Well, it is. Look at your history. I mean, it's it's right there in the his, the annals of history. You can see where Antifa came from and what they really were. And then this part, why is it only in leftist cities? Well, there's two. There's a, there's not two reasons. There's more than two reasons. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is leftist cities aren't as strong on law enforcement as right cities. Cities ran by Republicans. The left, <clears throat> they need Antifa. So if they come down hard on Antifa with the law and order, then it's going to hurt them. And then it, and it also splits the narrative. The narrative now is off because now if the left comes hard, down hard on Antifa or all these riots, the BLM and all that stuff, then it hurts the left. Look, I can point to you here in Atlanta, which is in and around where I live, is we the 4th of July, we had violent protests here in Atlanta. This is uh, around the Rayshard Brooks killing, yada, yada, yada. I know I use that a lot too much. And anyway... Um, the mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, who is ineffectual, she's just a feckless mayor, just basically was didn't know what to do. She couldn't send in her law enforcement people because then all of a sudden it would look like uh, maybe the, the BLM and these Antifa kids, goons, are bad for the community because then it's admitting it. So she, she was trying to get people to stop through rhetoric, through voice. And now we must stop the violence. Uh, we, we must protect it, but we need our, our right to protest. Blah, 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 blah. And then uh, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, who's a Republican said enough's enough when an eight year old girl was killed uh, during a BLM protest and he sent in the national guard. The mayor of Atlanta said, that's a bad idea. I don't agree with it. Violence stopped. It stopped. It hasn't happened since. It's been dead in its tracks here in Atlanta because the National Guard came in and stopped it. But that doesn't happen in all these other cities. So in all these leftist cities, the Antifa crowd and the BLM crowd are there protesting what? They're protesting fascism, racism, and white supremacy? So by logic, doesn't that mean that's where the fascists are, the racists are, the white supremacists are. So are we now, are we to believe that in Portland, Oregon is full of fascists, full of racists, full of white supremacy? Well, but logically, that's, that's the draw. That's the line you have to draw. I mean, it only goes to life. They are, if they, and Antifa and BLM obviously are partnering together in these riots and these protests. Let's just give them the protests, all right? Let's just say they're, they're peaceful protests. So, all right, Antifa and BLM are protesting fascism, racism, and white supremacy. Okay, give them that and give it peaceful, all right? You know, the media is trying to say that 97% of all the protests are peaceful. Okay, give that to them. Let them have it. Why then are they protesting in far left ran cities 
Is that where the fascists are? Is that where the white supremacists are? Is that where the racism is? Maybe they have a point. Hey, Portland, by the way, it's like 96 or 97% white. They do have a long history of racism. In fact, you can go back in the 60s and 70s, and Portland was one of those cities where they did not want blacks. Again, it was the left. And it all goes back around to the left being the party of slavery, racism, Jim Crow. So can we now attach that they are also the party of fascism and white supremacy? Because otherwise, why why are the riots and the protests there? I mean, it just it's logically speaking, that's that's draw that conclusion, right? The left, I've been saying for a while, is the party of slavery, is the party of racism, is the party of Jim Crow. Well, now fast forward, because they'd like to tell you the party switch. They did not switch. There was no switch. Now, by the way, if anyone asks you or anyone starts saying, well, the party switch, ask them what decade did they switch? And if they tell you the 90s, then ask them, well, why did it take 35 years? What? Why did it take over 30 years for the parties to switch? Racism. Okay. They can't. They can't explain that to you. I asked that of one person. They said, oh, between 1870, 1930s. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the level of stupidity just knows no bounds when it comes to the left. But all right. So the party, the Democrat Party was the party of slavery. Okay. They fought for slavery. Abraham Lincoln won the 1860 election because the Democrat Party split. Not They didn't split because one was in one side was for slavery. One side was against it. No, they split because one side wanted more slavery than the other side. Both sides of the Democratic Party, because there were two candidates that ran against Lincoln of the Democrats, the Northern Democrats, Southern Democrats, both wanted slavery. The Southern Democrats just wanted it expanded farther. The Northern Democrats, well, we want it, but we just don't want it expanded as far. So they are, in effect, the party of slavery from the 1860 election. And then they fought slavery hard, uh, fought for slavery very hard against Abraham Lincoln. The Republican Party was started as a party to abolish slavery. So then fast forward to the 60s, 1965 Civil Rights Act, with the majority uh, of, of Republicans voting for it is what put it over the line. Yes, you had a Democrat president, Lyndon Baines Johnson, that did sign it, but Mm, the disparaging comment, he said, I'll have those ends voting Democrat for the next 200 years. So he didn't really sign it as uh, this is a racial equality. He signed it because he needed those votes. And you had the Democrats in the 60s were the ones that were against Jim Crow. So you want to say the switch happened? There was no switch. There was no switch from Democrat to Republican. You had the Democrat to Dixiecrats. And the Dixiecrats won some states in the 1972 election, but they lost the election to Richard Nixon. And, and then you're going to try to hear, you'll hear the left saying, well, then they switched to Republican after that. No, they didn't. Republicans didn't take over the South until the mid-1990s, and it was had nothing to do with the 1965 Civil Rights Voting Act. It had everything to do with people who had enough of the Democrats and people migrating to the South, myself included. So now we fast forward into 2020, and what is the left doing? They're fighting, they're protesting against fascism, white supremacy, and racism in the leftist cities. So logically speaking, the left are the leftist cities is where the fascists are, it's where the white supremacists are, it's where racism is. I you know, this is how 
asinine the left is nowadays. All right, so <clears throat> should be an interesting week. We got Trump who's putting up his nominee. He says that um, won't happen until the end of the week or possibly the weekend. We'll hear the name. And then the next week, you'll start seeing the Senate start getting its processes together to nominate this person. It will go through. You've got TikTok with a reprieve that has been approved by the administration. So they carry on, continue on. What you'll have this week is the left completely going ape shit about this Supreme Court pick. This is going to be the topic du jour for a while. So this will be dominating the news. So my advice to everybody, stay strong, sit back, grab some popcorn, grab your favorite beverage, and watch the left implode. Oh, another thing that will probably happen this week is, yeah, you'll see Biden come out with his rhetoric about this, he's going to, he'll flub something. He'll gaffes here and there, and he'll be at a rally where there'll be just reporters there. And chances are he won't even leave the state of Delaware because he is an ineffective, ineffectual candidate. He is, he is a virtual candidate. He is not a real candidate. And if you're voting for Biden, man, you have a lot of hate in your heart. Hey, thanks for listening to this segment of the PBO Podcast. Again, check us out on our website, thepbopodcast.com, and subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel and all of our other media platforms. Whatever you're listening to this episode on, please subscribe, follow, share, and rate this podcast. Keep us moving up in the algorithms. We keep moving up each week, and we want to continue that trend, and I can only do it with your help. So I ask of your help to like, follow, share, subscribe, and rate this podcast. Five star, please. If it's five star, if it's 10 star, 10 star, if it's a hundred star, give me a hundred stars. That would be awesome. Where is there a platform that has a hundred stars? Should we start our own? Anyway, thanks again for listening. Woody says woof. And that's his heartfelt bark of saying thank you. <laughs>